Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next on the Chucking It From The Cheap Seats podcast. Our guest today is one of the most innovative coaches in the history of Indiana high school basketball. His teams have won three state championships. He's one of the winningest coaches in the history of the state, and he has revolutionized the defensive end of the floor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's podcast, Coach Basil Malby. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts. D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from South Okay, so today on the Checking It From the Cheap Seats podcast, we are blessed to have Coach Basil Mobby, Indiana Hall of Famer and state championship coach on with us. Coach, thanks for taking your time. I know you're a busy man, uh, still involved with basketball in a lot of different ways. So thank you for being on with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you asking. You know, you have been someone um, since we started this that uh, – that we've wanted to have on here and, and you and I will talk about some connections that we've got uh, here in a little bit, but you've had quite the career. You, you started as a head coach 51 years ago. Is that correct at West Washington? Yes. 1971. So that would be 51 years, 51 years. So quite, quite a career, uh, 685 wins, which I believe puts you 10th on the all time list according to the record book, when you started in 1971, did, did you think that uh, you would be talking to some other head coach uh, getting ready for basketball season in 2022-23 and talking about how you've had 685 wins, won some state titles, and and uh, had the impact on the game that you've had? Well, no. You know, when I started coaching, uh, you know, I love basketball and uh, – uh, went to a small high school, Deedsville High School, and uh, thought I would obviously be able to play at Ball State, but I didn't realize that five ten guards uh, were dime a dozen in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after that, I kind of switched gears and thought, hey, maybe coaching would be fun. And mm-hmm. that happened. I was fortunate in my junior year in college, I was taking the basketball class with Coach Hinga, and he asked if anyone in class would like to coach St. Lawrence freshman team, which was a parochial school in Muncie. Okay. And my, my hand shot up. So that was my first coaching, official coaching high school experience. Uh, and uh, I guess that would have been in 1962. Oh, wow. 
So 60 years ago, that's, I told somebody I'm starting my 61st year. So uh, <laughs> yeah, this is it. Well, I, I am excited, you know, today to talk to you about a lot of different things, but in doing some research on you, um, you know, the kids came back with the fact that you had graduated from Deedsville High School. For those of us down here in southern Indiana, we don't know where Deedsville's at. Where is Deedsville? Well, it's uh, north of Peru, Indiana, in Miami County. It's now North Miami High School. Okay. And uh, so it's con- consolidation of Macy, Chile, Gilead, Deedsville, and Mexico. So uh, uh, it's uh, – North of Peru, 15 miles. Okay. So they're in northern Indiana. So now, Correct. Coach, um, you you have put on a little bit of a different hat here over the last couple of years um, from being the head coach to now being an assistant coach. And what has that change been like for you to go back from the driver's seat to someone who's the co-pilot? Well, it's, it's been fun. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I When I – retired in 2008 I thought boy I'll just go to Florida play golf and have a great time <laughs> yeah well I go down here and I'm not good in golf and <laughs> I had, uh, had an opportunity the next year to coach at Broad Ripple High School they had contacted me and uh, so I went in with a couple of all-state players and had a great year and mm-hmm. uh, so that was my plan of coming to Florida and retiring. I'm, I'm down in Florida right now taking a little break right before basketball season starts. So mm-hmm. I've been serving Florida Gulf Coast University. And that's kind of a fun part of my career, too, at the end here. I've been able to go to many practices. I probably attended maybe 50 of Coach Knight practices, maybe 30 to 50 of Coach Katie. Um, all over the Indiana and the United States, I've been able to watch practices. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm fortunate I can go to Florida Gulf Coast University and uh, watch their practices and talk to their coaches and players and still stay involved now. But then when I get back to Indiana, I will be helping my four-year varsity player, uh, Donnie Bowling, at Anderson High School. And that, as you mentioned, that is a different hat. Uh, it's kind of neat because we've since I did coach him for four years, a lot of our philosophy is similar. Uh, but when it comes to the last uh, say, uh, that's that Coach Bowling's decision. And uh, uh, that's kind of different for me, but also somewhat rewarding for me to be able to sit back and watch and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, a different perspective. When I was at um, Vincent's Lincoln for a couple of years, I was fortunate to have a guy that I work for that um, at Lagodi, Steve Brett, and, and Steve became my assistant, and I learned a lot from having him as an assistant. Uh, really enjoyed the conversations that we had. But I know Steve really enjoyed that uh, opportunity because, you know, it was a little bit more of a laid-back approach, but uh, about as laid-back as you and Steve could be. Um, but it was just a little different for him, and I know he enjoyed that. Yes, I, I started out really when I came to Florida – my second year, I think I was here after I coached at Broad Ripple, I was at Florida Gulf Coast practice and uh, a gentleman from East Lee High School here in Florida and I were talking and he said, could you come out and show me your zone defense and mm-hmm. talk to my kids? Well, it ends up the next year he wanted me to be his assistant. So that was my first year of coming back as an assistant. That was probably 2012 or 13. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, from then on, I helped, uh, I went back and coached at Taylor High School for two years. 
And then I helped Brian McCauley at Noblesville for two years. And that was really a, a pleasant experience also. Brian and Donnie are two great players that both played for me at Kokomo. And mm-hmm. uh, to work at Noblesville and be in that conference and see the teams Noblesville participates and then go up to Anderson with Donnie and be back in the North Central Conference where mm-hmm. I coached for 14 years when I was at Kokomo has uh, been very uh, enjoyable also. Yes. Now, speaking of speaking of Anderson and, and Coach Bowling, you guys have had quite the turnaround there in the last few years. And I have a lot of assistant coaches that listen to this that are aspiring head coaches. I've got guys that I know that are head coaches and they're in situations where they're trying to rebuild. Just walk us through um, some of the things that you guys have done there to get that ship pointed back in the right direction. Well, Coach Coach Bowling is a great with young men, and uh, he he really stresses being able to show them a path to oh, an education and also a successful life mm-hmm. after high school. So when he comes in, he's able to show them that nearly every one of his players that he coached at both Short Ridge and Manual High School went on and played in college. Mm-hmm. And so I think that excited some kids from Anderson and because of that, last year we had four seniors, and all of them are playing in college right now. So mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, he works very hard at that, and I think that's helped him uh, get some players that want to do that, and also have the chance to go on and get an education. Mm-hmm. He's also he also treats his young men just like one of his sons, and uh, you know the mothers really love that, the parents love that, and I love to see it happen and. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. And, you know, we came in the first year. They'd won two the year before. And I think we got to the championship game of the sectional that first year. And then last year we were undefeated in North Central Conference, which is very rare. I never was able to do that when I was at Kokomo. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, end up 19-4 and four for the season and 20-5 20, 20 and, uh, for the year. So we, uh, we had a – really good year and uh, have a lot of returnees so we're hoping for even bigger and better things this year absolutely coach i'm going to take you back to 1983 connersville high school single class basketball you win a state championship what was that like to win one um in in the old single class system and to do that at a school like connersville because yeah connersville's 3a but it's not one of the giant schools in the state you know, as far as student enrollment. So what was that like and how special was that to do at a smaller school? Well, you know, I was very fortunate. I, I uh, you know, I, in my coaching career, there are certain things that govern whether you go on. And most of them are, start with a W mm-hmm. and end with an N. And <laughs> so I was very fortunate at Angola High School to go in there and have a great group of young players that I played when they were freshmen, sophomores, and end up winning 39 games our last two years and the, my first sectional championship mm-hmm. in 1978. So then I had an opportunity to go maybe to a school that hosted a sectional. Back then, it was very important if you wanted to have success in the tournament, if you had a school that hosted the tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was none better than Connorsville High School. Um, Connersville, when I was there, had about 1,600 students. Mm-hmm. But the next largest school in our regional was about 800 students. 
Mm-hmm. So you you were expected to win the sectional and regional. Now that's a little bit of pressure, mm-hmm. but it's also an opportunity because uh, you know it is something they believe in. And also one thing nice about going to Connorsville, they had previously won the state tournament in 1972. So when I came in there and showed them a T-shirt with state champions on it uh, in my interview, uh, they were kind of impressed, but not really, because they expect they expected to win the state championship. So all very in that of our parents and especially our players, we had a chance. We had was very that there, you know. Here's three races and go to the next day and play against Caliber. And that second year ago, played against Cathedral, probably been one of the best high school teams in Indiana history. They had Ken Barlow, uh, Scott Hicks, uh, really a great Division One players. And they beat us about nine points. And Right then, I told the kids, I said, we can never win the state championship if we don't get stronger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can get better. But eventually, it gets down a little bit who the men are on the boards and who's the men inside. So our kids really got dedicated to getting in the weight room, especially my twins, Chris and Mike Heineman, mm-hmm. who increased the bench presses probably by 40% over that summer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going into that year, we – we thought that was our goal. You know, it was uh, um, step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, till you get to the state tournament and uh, eight, nine, win it and uh, go home with that trophy. So mm-hmm. we had a sheet of paper when we started the tournament and it said, you know, cut the nets on uh, March 25th at 942. And uh, I think it was 945. So <laughs> we knew where we were and we got there and, uh, the kids believed it, and the fans believed it, and everybody in Connersville really followed that basketball team. Yeah, that, that's awesome when you can create that much excitement in a community like that. And and one of the things I liked that you just said was you, you set that goal with those with that team, and and you were able to achieve that goal. And you know when when kids come together to accomplish those things, whether they're sectionals, regionals and ultimately state championships, that's one of the most gratifying things that can happen to you in your coaching career. Then, you know, fast forward another eight years or another six years, excuse me, down the road to your at, at Kokomo now, and you get runner-up in, in 89. What was that season like? Kokomo High School, we were also very fortunate to have our own sectional. Mm-hmm. But Kokomo lost its regional, I think, back in the 80s or 70s. And they had to go to Anderson for years. Mm-hmm. And to play at the Wigwam against the Indians uh, was not a small task. I think in that time period after class, after we lost our regional, I'm not sure we run another regional until 19, uh, I believe it was 64 mm-hmm. or 84. I'm sorry. So about 20 years. So mm-hmm. it's been kind of a tough road to take Kokomo to Anderson and win. But. Fortunately, that first year, our sectional, when I was there, we had a nice group of young men. They won the sectional. We go to the regional, got the experience of playing in the wigwam. And from then, our kids kind of believed, believed they could do it. So luckily in 1982, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, 
1987, uh, we go to the regional. 88, we go and get to the final eight. We win the regional, go to the final eight. And then the next year, we go to the final four and uh, just happened to run into a little load box that year. We had in the final four, we had South End St. Joe, which was, I think, ranked number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we number two or three, I believe. Uh, then the sleeper was really Lawrence North. Mm-hmm. They played in a really tough Indianapolis area, and they also had a giant in the middle of the name of Eric Montreux. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, that was an obstacle that I thought I could conquer, uh, but when my six-foot-eight center gets two fouls in the first quarter, uh, it was easy job. Well, it was an easy job, a great job by Eric Montross to dominate the game. And mm-hmm. he had sidekick, uh, Todd Leary, who shot the lights out that night. And, uh, you know, I had great guards. Uh, Brian Reeves, we defeated one of the best Southern Indiana teams in, for the last few years, probably in Boyd Central and Pat Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a great semifinal game in the afternoon. And uh, Brian Reeves, my point guard, just did a great job. And I was kind of disgusted when they had the interview after the game. They told me, well, you know, they're asking about the game. And first thing they brought up was how was it playing against Mr. Basketball, probably, and Pat Graham. And I said, oh, I don't know. He was not the winning guard today. I'm sorry. You know, I think Brian Reeves I'd rather talk about. Well. I got a few boos and hee-haws on that, but uh, <laughs> Brian Reed is very good. And the thing that he's really good at is having sons. So if you ever watch the Lakers and you see Austin Reed, that's yeah. his son. So yeah. I, I watch the Lakers every game and screwed uh, on Austin. Had a great game last night and uh, does a great job for the Lakers. You know, I also had, you know, outstanding, outstanding uh, forward and Brad Seabury, which was on the all-sectional team, or I'm sorry, all-final four team. And uh, so it was a great year. Ended up second place, and uh, um, but a great team and a great thrill. Well, you know, you talk about Floral and Pat Graham, and I've got to know Pat a little bit over the years, and he helps out at Evansville Memorial now where his son went to school, and I, I coached against his son both whenever I was at Vincennes and, um, and here at Bar Reeve. But uh, that that team was also coached by Joe Hinton, who's a really good friend of mine, and and I know that the the Super Hicks, as they were referred to, kind of as their second nickname, that that was a heck of a team, and and to get through them in the morning game, that's no shame in, in bowing out to Eric Montrose and Todd Leary and the and Jack Kiefer in the championship game. That that was maybe one of the best tournaments, wouldn't you agree, Coach? I, I don't of of all time potentially. That eighty nine, well, yeah, that eighty nine tournament. Was, Joe was excellent, mm-hmm. and Lawrence North beat them, and then we beat Floyd Central. You know, I had a little bit of payback on Joe. You know, when I was at, started out, I was at West Washington. Yes, and so first year, we play them at home, and you know they beat us maybe eight to ten, maybe a little bit more, but they mm-hmm. go to the final four that year with Tate and that group. Yeah, and Schellenberger, and so the next year we go down to Floyd Central. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I look up at the score, and we're down about 20 in the first half. Uh-huh. And they're pouring it on. Joe's jumping around and getting kind of crazy. <laughs> and I, I turned to my assistant, Bob Gardner, who later became ISHA commissioner. Yeah. I said, oh, if we don't get going, we're liable to get beat 60 points. Uh-huh. 
no, it didn't end up that way. It ends up 62 to 112, so 50. So oh, the my. next time I played Joe, <laughs> after him beating me 50, I did get him back a little bit in the final four. But, uh, Joe's a great coach and has done a great job in Southern Indiana. Yeah, he has. And his son's now the, the head coach at Cordon Central. Just ran into him at the volleyball regional uh, last weekend. So quite the, the basketball pedigree within that family. Um, yes. Uh, and sh- you know, you then go on and you, you've had tremendous career, but you end up at a little school called Lewis Cass and, and you cross paths with some guys that I know, uh, gentlemen that I think a lot of Mike Bauer and, uh, his son, Bo, uh, who are, you know, relation to my wife's family, uh, and friends on that side of the family. Um, and just tremendous people, but they speak extremely highly of Coach Mobby and the things that you brought uh, there to Lewis Cass. And talk about those teams a little bit uh, that you had there toward the toward the end of your career. Okay, I might want to put one thing in on Kokomo before we go on, but yeah. then we'll go to uh, Cass. At Kokomo, we were also fortunate to be in the final, final four uh, at and play in the Hoosier Dome. So yes. that was a great thrill for me at Kokomo to go back to the final four uh, with Kokomo and had a great basketball team, led all the first half, uh, up four and a half times, and then Coach McKinney and Bloomington North came back and defeated us. But um, those guys were great, and to get to the, play in the Hoosier Dome was a thrill that uh, I'll never be able to forget, and I was very fortunate uh, those kids were able to take me there. Well, and that, that also had to be special, not only because it was 97, but also another school that you were a head coach at, Delta, was a part of that and ended up uh, – losing in the championship game to Bloomington North that year. Yeah, so they had a nice basketball team also. I know a lot of the players, their parents uh, were there or their aunts or uncles were there when I coached. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I followed them closely and uh, still have nice reunions with the teams and uh, a great part of my career also at Delta. Uh, you know, LaPorte had a nice team, and now uh, their star player has now done a great job at Indiana Westland as a coach and conical. And uh, so it was a great thrill to be in the final, final four and uh, just wish we could have ended up winning it. Yeah, absolutely. So coach, you want to, you want to touch on those years at Lewis Cass and um, coaching guys like Bo Bauer? Well, I was very, very fortunate uh, to have that opportunity. I was a coach at Kokomo. I had a great job, a great situation. Uh, and in, 19, in the year 2000, Bill Harrell decided that he wanted to coach, but he didn't want to teach any longer. Mm-hmm. And the ISHA had a rule then that had boys basketball and had girls basketball and had football. You had to be a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, Bill had a lawyer say, hey, now, wait a minute. The track coach is not an employee. Uh, the cross-country coach isn't. You know, so he uh-huh. – the ISHA and they said, well, that's a war we will not win. So that <laughs> yeah. opened it up for coaches to then be just coaches. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kokomo, love my job. I'm an administrator, have a great situation, good team returning. I'm now middle school athletic director at Kokomo, and I get a call from Lewis Cass that they want to move the golf match for one of my junior high teams who I was supervising to a different site. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm talking with Greg Marchand, and uh, we're talking about getting that switched. And he says, by the way, you don't have a good assistant coach that might be interested in coaching at Lewis Cass. We've just had an opening occur. And I thought about it, and I'm saying, uh, no, Greg, but I do know of an old coach that might be interested <laughs> in talking to you. And the reason was I had scouted them for the regional the year before when I was at Kokomo and Lewis Cass had a very good team mm-hmm. and I thought I might play them in the regional. So I scouted them and my gosh, they had great talent, great talent. Yeah. And uh, so I'm thinking, Hey, I can retire, get my teacher's retirement, go up there and coach, make similar amount of money, uh, but not have to go in every day. Mm-hmm. And, and also one of the big advantages people to understand when you're a lay coach, you have so much more time to study video and do other things. You yeah, know, it's just, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I speaking, of, know speaking of that, speaking of that, one of, one of my good friends down here in Southern Indiana has got that set up right now, coach Miller and, uh, yeah. you know, over at Washington and Gene, Gene and I, we, we serve on the IBCA board, uh, uh, for the all state stuff. And, and I love my two hour, uh, drives up to Indianapolis and on the way back, just talking with, you know, coach Miller about basketball and life. And, um, he, he's talked about how that's really reinvigorated him with that extra time that he's had to just really focus on basketball and develop relationships with those kids. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I know that that's been a big advantage that, that some coaches have taken, uh, of this opportunity. Tom Bradley at Orleans just retired and he's no longer the athletic director over there. He's just uh, just coaching basketball. So it's a great gig. It's, it's super, and it's good for the kids, too. You know, uh, I interviewed a few years ago, and, uh, you know, they said principal was very much against having a lay coach. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, call Greg Marchand and talk to him at Lewis Cass. And, you know, I it's nice because I would go in about 10 o'clock each day, mm-hmm. um, go by the principal's office, get your mail, go by the AD's office, Go eat lunch with the students. I always like to eat in the cafeteria with the students, get to talk to them, mm-hmm. uh, talk to kids that are just fans, and then finish my back and be ready for practice. And really, you have more time to communicate with students as a lay coach, communicate with teachers, communicate with the players, uh, and really plan a well-structured practice and feeder program when you're a lay coach. So it's a good deal. Now I understand there are some other advantages for being in the building, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. And I think it uh, helped me, uh, you know, end up uh, with a state championship and uh, six regionals at uh, Lewis Cass. Mm-hmm. You know, coach, um, one of the things that you're well known for, um, there's many things you're well known for, but one of them is your coaches clinic. You've been doing this for years. It's the longest uh, running coaches clinic uh, in the state, and uh, I've been a part of our uh, HBCA and IBCA coaches associations putting together clinics, and those aren't easy uh, to put together and to get good speakers at, but uh, why is it that you've put so much effort into the, the coaches clinics over the years? Well, I think it's, it's, you know, I'm kind of a selfish in one aspect. It gives my theater program coaches a chance to go to a clinic free of charge mm-hmm. and see really great coaches. So, mm-hmm. you know, this year at Anderson High School, we had our 37th annual clinic. And, 
you know, our speakers, first of all, we start out with John Peckinpah at Kokomo, who mm-hmm. has the second best player in the nation. And he showed the drills that he used, uses with Flory Migato or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what a great asset for our coaches who work with our post players. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have picked up one or two things. Then we end up the next coach, which I think may be, well, he is the all-time best state championship coach of the only one, I believe, that's ever coached and won in three different high schools, uh, and Jason Delaney mm-hmm. at Cathedral. Yeah. And if you were at the state tournament this year, you talk about a beat down that. He, <laughs> he had a great, great program at Cathedral, and most of them are back. Mm-hmm. And so he was there and demonstrated for our uh, great things for our coaches on uh, pre-practice and shooting drills, uh, offensive ideas, uh, just a great job. Then we come up with Will Ray, who's head coach at Evansville College with Jimmy Cruz, and then mm-hmm. over at Wright State with Eddie Schilling, and then was head coach at Loyola, Chicago. He came down and showed us a combination half-court trapping defense that he has used and was just great for our coaching staff to see that our players loved it and also we were able to you know get the video and we'll be able to use that somewhat maybe to help us refine a little bit some of the things we do so that's one of the reasons uh another reason you know i just love to see these coaches and uh uh, you know you look at my list of coaches i think i probably have maybe 30 state championship coaches that have spoke and uh you know, I would have got you to come, but I didn't know if they had roads from Bar Reeves to Anderson. So <laughs> I but you were on my list, that's yeah. for sure. Well, I'd love to do that sometime and, and give back. And that was one of the things that we always talked about with the HBCA uh, clinic that we had down here in southern Indiana was just it's great to get coaches together uh, over a weekend and, and guys to sit back and talk and talk about their teams and uh, talk about ideas, exchange ideas. And that's the thing that, that I've talked with a lot of my guests on the podcast about is how special the coaching fraternity is. A lot of times you get involved in these rivalries, whether it's Bar-Eve, North Davies, Bar-Eve, Ligoti, Vincennes, Jasper, whenever I was at Vincennes. And people think, oh, man, those coaches, they can't stand each other. Well, you know, it, it's a, it isn't a, a fraternity, and, and guys exchange ideas, and they want other guys to be successful other than the nights you play them. And, and outside of that, you're rooting like, like heck for those other guys. Well, you know, I can think of coaches' clinics. I get fortunate to go to Las Vegas and be in Wood and Knight and all of them at Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, God, what a great thrill to sit and talk with Coach uh, Wooden after the clinic. And I can remember in Fort Wayne, they had coaches' clinics up there. And here's Lefty Drizel and uh, Dick Vitale and uh, Hubie Brown. And, you know, all these guys now have gone on to pros and uh, big-time TV contracts. And, you know, my IBCA clinic, uh, first time and only time, I've really had a lot of time with uh, Jack Mitchell. And mm-hmm. we sat together and talked a lot after practice, went out and maybe had a dinner after the clinic. And uh, so, you know, just the, knowing the legend uh, was really fun for me and uh, had a great time with him. Yeah, Jack is uh, certainly a gem. And whenever I was at Springs Valley and Wood Memorial early in my career, I would call and pick his brain on different things and, and uh, got to 
talked to him about his zone defense, uh, noted, you know, there for the 2-3 zone, and then obviously coaching with Steve uh, there at Lagodi, we had a lot of conversations about Coach Butcher. And, um, yeah, all-time wins leader in the state until just here recently in the last couple of years. And uh, Coach Holmes at Bloomington South, now the all-time leader, and he was a guy we had on here last year. Um, Coach, outside of the clinic, I think when people talk about Basil Mobby, they, they talk about all the success you've had. They talk about your coach's clinic. But I think the one thing on the court that you are most noted for is your zone. And w- where did that come from? And why did that become such a big part of everything that you do? Well, you know, as you start out, I think some coaches now are definitely disadvantaged. Well, especially in college. They never really have coached teams before they become head coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, they they all come up through being a manager or a player, video, director of ops, assistant. Hey, now I'm head coach of a university, and I've never blown a whistle before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back then, we start out, we coach freshmen, mm-hmm. we coach D, we coach in the summer, and you try all these offenses and defense, and if they screw up, you know, there's nobody hardly there that's going to worry about it, and you learn. So. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a great watching her video and watching games on TV. And, you know, so I was experimenting with a lot of things. And in 1978, 79, I'm not sure the year when Magic played Bird in the finals, Judd Heathcote used his own defense, which I thought was kind of unique in the aspect of how the guards covered from wing to wing and the forwards came up and then the guards come over and they came back down. Mm-hmm. So I, started trying that in the 19, uh, see, in the 1980, uh, I'm at Connorsville my first year and our first game of the year is always against Union County, mm-hmm. uh, it's small school next to us in our sectional. And, you know, here I am, the new coach coming in town, tell them about winning a state championship and I get beat by Union County first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not bad enough, but that's on Wednesday night. And on Friday night, I got to go to Columbus and play Coach Bill Stearman at Columbus <laughs> yeah. uh, in the, one of the largest gyms in the state. And we're 0-1, mm-hmm. and we're going to get the outstanding team in, at Columbus. So we kind of changed things. Maybe I think we may have changed one personal lineup, maybe. But anyways, we start playing a 2-3 zone, and we play a 1-2-2 full court press. And all of a sudden, we beat Columbus handily at Columbus. Mm-hmm. I think, well, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> well, we'll next week. Well, then about 450 games later, one of my assistants says, Coach, you we know we've graduated four starters from the 89 team. Uh, what type of defense are we going to play next year? And I'm thinking, if it was good enough to play with those guys, we better play it with these guys, even though we don't have those four starters. And, uh, you know, I talked to Matt Painter by text yeah, two days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he played a little bit of zone mm-hmm. in his scrimmage. And so I texted him. I said, well, you finally see the light, you know, <laughs> and up and consulted with him and conducted coaches meetings with him because he tried a two, three zone that I have worked with him on. Mm-hmm. Well, probably six years ago when he had Hammonds in that group. Yeah. And uh, 
he just couldn't get the faith in it. And he goes back to man. And I told him uh, Tuesday night, I guess, I said, Matt, I don't blame you one bit. Once you have confidence in something and you've also played it for a long time where you've seen it being attacked by multiple offenses, by multiple schemes, mm-hmm. you're going to probably stay with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, he understood. He wrote back. He said, great idea. Uh, but, you know, he he tried it. And I would – I've never had – I've worked with many coaches on this zone. Probably the most notable probably was uh, Sean Busick at Zionville. Mm-hmm. He had never played a possession of zone in his whole coach career. Mm-hmm. And he had to come over and give a clinic for him and his coaches. And he went two out of the next four sectionals. Uh, and Lionsville hadn't won one for many years. And they haven't won one since. So, uh, you know, he he went right with it and still plays it now every game. And mm-hmm. he saw it, and he understands it, and he believes it. But, you know, it was a good thing. You know, I think one thing people may want to think about my zone, but I think what they really, if I was going to write a book, it would be starting maybe being able to control the tempo of a basketball game. And I really, you know, I worked any year so I thought we had the combination which was very hard to beat where we played a great zone defense we had a super man-to-man denial defense so if you held the ball on us we were up underneath you and really went after it mm-hmm. we full court pressed so you couldn't stall on us and we played an offense that everybody had freedom to shoot on the first pass so kids loved to play you know, they'd run and, hey, one or two passes, that thing's up there. But then when we got that eight to ten point lead, uh-oh, we spread the court and go back to, you know, what I saw Dean Smith do yeah. years and years ago. And Bill Harrell, which I followed him, you know, so many years, and saw him win two state tournaments with spread offense with McCollum and Jackie Moore. And that combination just became – it's all together. You know, you can't do one without the other. If you play good zone defense and you don't have a great man-to-man defensive team to take the ball back when they hold it, you can't play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you press, people will play too slow and your zone has got to, you know, get some turnovers. Even in the 83 team, I think Anderson may have scored six baskets against the press in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And, we didn't hesitate taking it off. We pressed it on all the way, and then all of a sudden we made that spurt. You know, it's five points, three points. We make a spurt, make a turnover, cut it to three, deflect from behind, hit ahead, and then all of a sudden we're spread. And uh, so it's a great combination for it. So mm-hmm. I love to teach the zone. I like to help people with it. But it's just one of many tools you have to have. And the key thing that you have to do to win basketball games is be able to play at any tempo and control the tempo so that your opponent doesn't tell you how you're going to play. You tell them how they're going to play. Absolutely. And, uh, take that space from all these. Yeah. Coach, you, you talked about Dean Smith and you talked about controlling tempo. My favorite basketball book that I've ever read is Dean Smith's Multiple Offense, Multiple Defense. You know, and he talks yeah, about got- talks about very early in that book about if you are the better team, you better figure out ways to increase possessions. If you are the weaker team, you better figure out ways to decrease possessions. And, you know, it's it's a simple game, but like you said, you've you got to have those tools 
in your belt to be able to pull out at different times. And the other thing you said, and you know, you've won a lot more games than I have, a lot smarter than I am. But uh, if there's one thing I could impress upon young coaches from what you just said is, you know, take take the kids that you have and be able to mold them and put them in situations to make them successful. Like you talked about, you had teams there where you didn't really use the zone a whole lot, but then when you lost a lot of kids, the zone helped you um, put those kids in position to be successful. That's the whole coach's job. His, he has only one job, and that's to have a chance to give his kids a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not everybody is going to shoot threes. Now, that's one thing I'm watching the Lakers now. I'm not sure the coach has read my book yet, but <laughs> he hasn't had much understanding of people that are shooting over nine threes one game come back and shoot four more the next game. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, you can be valuable to your team, yeah. but you don't have to do the same thing Bo Bauer did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had players that were multiple talented players on that state championship team, but you know, not everybody will shoot it 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you must be able to instill in every player they're equally important. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if they don't believe that, it's not going to be fun for them, and you won't have a successful team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, my, one of my best teams at Kokomo, we had seven seniors, and only uh, three of them played large minutes. Mm-hmm. Four of them only way ahead, way behind. Mm-hmm. And we never were behind because we were number one in the state all year. But they never complained because they knew how important they were. They could run the scout team's offense, as good as the team we're going to play a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when they got their moment, they got to come in. But they also were part of the number one team in the state, team that won 24 and lost two. And uh, I made them understand that they were very important. And I still, whenever I see them, I still mention how great they were because there's not maybe a lot of difference maybe between the eighth and 11th man, but they can't play equal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to be able to develop your camaraderie, I'm sorry, the continuity that you need in your team. So uh, that's another thing that I really believe in, that everybody has to understand their roles, but also the roles will be different, but there's none that's more important than the other. Absolutely. Coach, that's that's tremendous advice for, for all coaches, uh, no matter how long we've been in it. Coach, I know – go ahead. I want to ask you now. You talked, you brought up Coach Davenport. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about someone that understands the game of basketball. I saw him at a clinic this year. Uh, Chad Ballinger had him come up to uh, Hamilton Heights, mm-hmm. and he spoke. But I also see him because I coach here at Florida Gulf Coast University, and he's in our conference. Yeah. And I saw him in person twice, and then I saw him this year in the conference tournament when they beat Florida Gulf Coast at Freedom Hall. Mm-hmm. Well, his statement, I think, is so important for coaches to understand. And you mentioned it just previously. You have to coach to how your talent is. Mm-hmm. And when he was at Louisville, Louisville Ballard, he had the greatest athletes in the state, probably. Mm-hmm. And he pressed full court after you trapping, ran, and went at what? A couple, three state championships, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And was up-tempo. He goes and coaches with Crum and Patino. Up-tempo, trap, all this. 
he goes to Bellarmine and those players come out and he's thinking, Oh, who am I going to press with here? Yeah. Uh, I better develop a new concept mm-hmm. and his concept that he has developed there with the players. And he told me that one of the biggest reasons he won last year was because of the bar Reeve graduate, uh, the six foot nine Huff. Was that his last name? Yeah. yeah. Um, he said, Kurt, Kurt he said, has been a big part of what they've done down there. He said he is a rebounding machine. He mm-hmm. said, I tell him, you don't have to do anything else but get every rebound. And he said, he, he smiles at me and goes and does it. So, uh, <laughs> another no. side, I know I talk too much, but I did for the job at Forest Park three years ago or four, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now that's a thousand miles from where I live. So, yeah. you know, but I had seen Forest Park play when we beat them in the state championship. Mm-hmm. And then I also saw them when they played Cena in the regional or semi-state the year before. Mm-hmm. And this freshman really impressed me. I'm a great left-hander. I love left-handers. Mm-hmm. And they got a point guard that can run the show, even though I think he might have been the two-guard that year. But he was 6'2 or 3. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be fun because I never had a team that I went to that had a winning record when I went to their school. Yeah. And I thought, well, got a winning record and they may win another state. Yeah. So uh, I almost coached him, but uh, ends up they hired the assistant. Well, I'm glad I got to coach him. He was a special player. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, coach, that uh, a- a- another point that, that I'll bring up with you is um, you've talked a couple times about changing things throughout the season. We, we got ready in 2021 to play Indianapolis Tinley, who was incredibly athletic and killed people in their transition offense. And so we're getting ready to play them in the semi-state. And that entire week, just about everything we did was emphasizing our transition defense and how instead of sending three guys to the offensive boards, we were only going to send two. And what and what uh, and we we really did a great job with our transition defense. Really limited what they got in transition. I think they only got two baskets in transition on us all day. But the the point that I want to make is sometimes you stumble upon things. What I stumbled upon there, if you got a really good offensive rebounder like Kurt, is sometimes sending fewer guys to the offensive boards opens things up for him. Um, he got 21 offen- or excuse me 21 rebounds that game and 11 of those were on the offensive end and many times when he would get offensive rebounds he'd get putbacks or make a pass to somebody and and they would score off a second chance opportunity and so that made me realize that hey you can't always just be ingrained that hey no matter what the circumstance is we're always going to do this because before that we always had sent three guys to the boards and man when we only sent two not only did it make our uh, transition defense better, but it opened things up for Kurt because there was one less body he had to contend with of trying to get to a loose ball or an offensive rebound. So, yeah, that's yeah. That, that's uh, that's something that's I learned. How things like that happen. Oh, that's a great uh, a great statement because I had never thought about that, but I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, and and you know I I had been a head coach for 15 years. Um, or 14 years before that point, and and that's just always what I'd done because I always did it. I always just thought you send more guys to the offensive boards and you send two guys back to balance the floor, and that gives you a better chance to offensive rebound. Well, not all the time, especially if you got yeah. if you got a six nine guy that can go after it. Give him more room to eat. <laughs> so, um, well, I yeah. saw you in the summertime, I believe at North Central or somewhere in a 
I was helping Scienceville that day, mm-hmm. and I saw Kurt play, and I went over to introduce myself, and uh, he didn't know who I was. But Eddie Schilling coached his brother, and uh, yeah. um, I believe he went to Europe or mm-hmm. something, and mm-hmm. so I knew a little bit of his family situation, and uh, that would have been fun for me, but the problem is my wife wasn't going to go with me, so I, I think I'm better off what happened. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wasn't ready to move by 300 miles. <laughs> You, you just talked about your wife. You talked about how now you've retired in Florida. And I'm just looking at, at some stuff right now. I'm looking at your page on the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and I, I see um, I see your family down there at the bottom all dressed in red and white when you won the state championship there at Connersville. You know, obviously, if you do what you've done over the past 50 to 60 years, you have to have a tremendously supportive family. You have to f- have a family that – takes part in what you do, and I'm so blessed to have my wife be a big part of what I do, and my kids want to be in the gym, and uh, they want to be players. My daughter was an athlete. Just just talk to coaches out there about how important that is to the success of a basketball coach, not just that your family's supportive, but that you pay attention and, and that you're the best husband and father and, and grandfather that you can be. Well, I think that is my biggest reward. You know, I – you know, I think about the rings and all those. Those are going to tarnish and go. But uh, my 19 grandchildren are my legacy that I, uh, I've been fortunate to have. Um, I had four children, and now I have 19 grandchildren. And so the 29 of us are uh, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have a wife, you know, back when I started coaching, it was even harder. I don't know. Maybe not. But anyways, you had to go to where the sectional sites were if you're going to win a state tournament or be consistently in a state tournament caliber team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we start at West Washington, we climb to Delta, we go to Angola, and we have some success. But at that moment, I knew I wasn't going to win the DeKalb sectional every year uh, against DeKalb and East Noble mm-hmm. when I'm at Angola, which we were half their size. Mm-hmm. So you apply, and I applied for Brownsburg, who had a sex on. Apply for Connorsville, and all of a sudden I'm at Connorsville, and so we move again. Um, we would have probably stayed at Connorsville for the duration of our career, but my family and my wife Eileen's family both live in Miami County, which borders Kokomo. Mm-hmm. So to get back where our grandparents were, were uh, so they could see our kids. Uh, participate and grow uh that was one of the reasons even though kokomo was an outstanding outstanding job mm-hmm. but was special so we go there and uh we're able to do that then when class basketball came it's not this important Co- kokomo uh you take the north central conference teams which used to be in the maybe two in the final four every year you know now it's very difficult for them to uh, towns have gotten smaller. Mm-hmm. They don't have the sites always. And um, that's, that's a big advantage. So I think having a family that was willing to go from living in our hometown, Miami County, coaching and teaching, and going to West Washington, far south, taking our little one-year-old grandbaby down there, uh, was something family had to be in favor of mm-hmm. uh, having a chance to go up, clear up to Angola, 
uh, then go to Connersville, then all over different situations, uh, was just something that my wife bought into and understood as part of my job. It was important to have an opportunity, not to go where the best players were. One guy accused me of that, and I said, I've never gone to a school that had a winning record. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, they had no one they had players, yeah. but uh, none with winning records. And uh, so we went for opportunity, and because of that, uh, we've had a great time. It's kind of funny right now where our kids are all coming home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we're going to have Thanksgiving on Friday because with four of them, uh, they may be with their in-laws on Thanksgiving. So our Thanksgiving is on Friday. Uh-huh. And play Friday night, we play lapel. Yeah. All the kids are going to come to that game. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know? So they, they have a great time, and uh, they all get T-shirts usually when we, wherever I coach at. And uh, they've had a good time following us also. That's really cool. Yeah, you talk about those jobs that you went to. Uh, they were open for a reason, is what Jimmy Shannon told me a couple of weeks ago when he and I had a conversation on the podcast. Um, people t- all, all the time think that coaches make moves because they're they're trying to go somewhere with more talent. But like he said, there was a reason that job was open to begin with. And know that, and I was just fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to cast, uh, you know, they were eleven and eleven, and uh, a very. <laughs> outstanding team but when we walked in the first day i took my assistant from kokomo with me Dwayne wall mm-hmm. and the summer practice we had he turns to me after about a half hour he says coach we can win this state i said yeah i think we can and uh you know we're 59 and one the first uh three years there uh, so i did walk into uh great great talent and uh we lose one regular season game and two points, and the rest of them we win. And uh, I'd never had an undefeated season. Uh, I have two of them in a row, and I never obviously had an undefeated state champion because it was only the seventh in the history of ISHA basketball. And to do that, uh, uh, we were blessed. And Bo Bauer and Zach Fry and uh, Ben Williams and Michael Keller and Josie Faust. Uh, you can remember those starting fives of the state champions a lot mm-hmm. easier than the 1977 team that won nine. You know, yeah. so uh, oh yeah, I I tell people when they when they're playing, I say, you win this game, there will be people remember your names probably forever. You know, and I you know, and I'm a basketball nut, but mm-hmm. you know, obviously name the starting fives on many state championship teams. Mm-hmm. None. Eight runner-up teams can I name the starting five for? <laughs> yeah, you, you win might, it all. Yeah, you might remember one or two guys off there, but uh, and definitely those communities remember those kids. Coach, you've touched on a few things throughout our conversation here today. Um, you know, and you, you've talked about the change with the tournament from single class to class. But in your 50, 60 years in coaching, what, what do you see as the biggest change that has happened? Well, you know, I was fortunate to be the first coach that won state championships in single class and mullet class. Mm-hmm. And they has, they asked me the question, uh, which one is more fun, which one's more meaningful, all that. They're both super meaningful. They, You know, mm-hmm. the only thing you can do is control what you're given a chance to do. Amen. And 
given a chance to win the 2A state championship. Mm-hmm. Nobody, this closest game in a tournament was nine points, and that was by a three-pointer by Bar- by Forest Park in the last second. Everything was double figures. We think we can beat Pike, but we never had that chance. They mm-hmm. were also on. Mm-hmm. What a great final game that would be, but they stopped the tournament of champions. Yeah, I think early close to Cumsey and Westview almost beat North Central. Uh, <laughs> yeah, second year. Yeah, and I'm thinking, boy, those were great basketball games. They didn't even have a program for those games. That's how much they promoted it. They yeah. had a a paper, uh, you know. So I'm thinking, you only can control what you are given an opportunity to control. And so I think it's great what we're doing now because that's what we are. Yeah. That's what we have. I don't think there's any more thrilling than when I was at Deedsville High School, though, going to the sectional mm-hmm. and all 12 teams on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. You saw everybody in the county there. You know, it was a great rallying point for all schools and communities mm-hmm. to come in together. Yeah. And I think fun and we did lose that. And I don't like some of our tournaments where you're traveling 62 miles going by the school you're going to play that night mm-hmm. to play, you know, on another site. Mm-hmm. So that's hard, not good. But the overall thing, they've given us an opportunity for every school to have that chance. And now it's our chance as coaches, whatever opportunity we're given, go win it. And uh, that's what it is. Coach, just a couple more questions for you. What's been your involvement with the Indiana basketball um, – or, I'm sorry, the Indiana All-Star game? Have you been a, a coach and assistant for that? I'm assuming at some point in time you have. I didn't want you to bring that up. I Didn't, didn't I text you and tell you not to bring that up? <laughs> well, i tell you what, we can edit that off, Coach. I'm sorry. The, the only coach that's lost both games as a head coach uh, happened to be in 1986. Now, you're from Southern Indiana. Yeah. But you're probably too young to remember Rex Chapman and Felton Spencer. Yeah. But who we ran into, and uh, I didn't have a player that uh, ever played pro ball, uh-huh. and they had that played 20 years. Yeah. And lost one by three and one by five. So each year when I go to the All-Star game, uh-huh. basically had a loss the game before, I'm thinking, this is the year. Yeah. Not ever. So now it's been 36 years and nobody has lost both games. <laughs> so uh, it was fun. Great time back then. The yeah. big thing we did back then was a two week affair and it was long and hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So kids, they're missing their girlfriends. Uh, you know, we're <laughs> practicing twice a day, uh, you know, and, uh, but what a thrill to play it. You know, now they play it maybe at Bellarmine or Frankfurt or somewhere. Mm-hmm. We played Freedom Hall or whatever. Louisville is the yeah. stadium where we played. You know, we played there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we played at Market Square with not a seat available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is great, great thrill. It was, you know, it's it's that that series has definitely changed over the years. I know Kentucky has has changed how they select their team, and you know, on the boys' side, there's there's been an imbalance of wins, and we had Mike Broughton on a couple of weeks ago, and Mike talked about some things that he's trying to do to create some excitement on the Indiana side, maybe a futures game, um, 
and make kind of an all-day affair. But, man, I really tip my cap to Mike and other people that are trying to keep that series alive because that is something that's incredibly special to Indiana basketball. Oh, it is to me. Uh, this year I went and had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the series, it was always run by the Indianapolis Star. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when Pat Aikman retired, I think Pete Smith took it over. Mm-hmm. And at the final four, he asked me, because I was retiring, I think it must have been 2008, if I would be interested in taking it over. And I said, oh, let me think about it. I still think I may want to coach. And uh, all of a sudden, they select Charlie Hall, my assistant. Mm-hmm. Charlie was my assistant at Kokomo for, I think, probably seven to ten years. Yeah. And he took over. And Charlie worked tirelessly to get people in the stands and make it relevant. I, mm-hmm. I, I missed him participating, but he started where you would bring your seventh, eighth, ninth yeah. JV and Bar for a shootout. Mm-hmm at market square and then free tickets for the kids ah but it just so happened they might bring their parents so mm-hmm. yeah you know, charlie was thinking, how did he get an extra two thousand people mm-hmm. may have been through that that he started back uh probably in 2009 or 10 or 11 i'm not sure but charlie was big on doing that uh he tried everything did a great job and mike is doing the same thing you know it's uh yeah uh, it, it's too bad that some college coaches will not let their players miss one week of summer participation to participate in the all-star game. I know. You know it's, uh, and, you know, some of the best ones haven't been able to play. And I think that hurts. And I don't understand while Kentucky, it must not be prestigious at all, but their best players never play. You know, I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Maybe not, but a lot of them don't participate and you'll look at their colleges that the Kentucky players are going to and majority of them are not any power fives ever mm-hmm. hardly ever even. oh I know and and, uh, and your, your kids that are going to UK and different places like that aren't allowed to play and it it waters it down yeah. and that's not any I told Mike I said that's not any fault of our side that's that's a problem that Kentucky's got to address if they want to make that series competitive again so, Coach, I was also fortunate to IBCA All-Star team when they had used to have what they called the Windy Classic. Mm-hmm. And I was the first coach of that. And we went to Columbus, Ohio, and we played Ohio, Michigan, and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And talk about great players, great basketball. You know, we had numerous D1 players, numerous future pros there. And uh, it was a great opportunity for me and them. You know, you broadcast it nationwide. And uh, Wendy's, you know, you know, footed the bill. They didn't get great attendance, but they footed the bill and televised it everywhere. So uh-huh. that was a great for me. And uh, that was my 96 team that had gone undefeated until the final game of the season. And uh, uh, Lee Kumler and Brian McCauley, both uh, potential all-stars, got to play in the uh, – all-star team from Indiana for IBCA. And mm-hmm. that was a stem, uh, along with Michael Lewis, now the coach at Ball State and um, some really other outstanding players from Indiana. I'm sure that was a heck of an opportunity. So we're going to wind this thing down. I've got two questions that, that I want to ask you that are 
really not basketball related, but somewhat. When you wind down, I know you're in Florida right now, and you're not in a gym. What what does Coach Malby like to do to relax a little bit? Do you like to fish? Like to golf? You said you weren't a great golfer. Well, I do have fortunate to live on Morris Lake in Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I love to fish. Yeah. Uh, but I'm 80 years old, mm-hmm. and I coach and uh you know i apply for jobs every year i'm 80 mm-hmm. and i walk in and god are you 80 years old and yeah. i said yeah but i said you don't want you don't want to play against me i said i'm better than i used to be you know <laughs> really i really still enjoy coaching mm-hmm. and that's why I'm back to indiana yeah i'm looking at now over hole number five and number four of the pelican sound golf and river club we have a pool uh, we have great, great home. Grandkids will be here in Christmas with us in the spring. But I now, when I'm here, I watch video for Anderson to get mm-hmm. ready. Mm-hmm. And I attend Florida Gulf Coast practice, oh, three times, four times a week. Yeah. Uh, all games whenever I'm here. And so basketball is still a big part of me and yes. uh, very fortunate that I'm still able to be part of it, you know, health-wise and, uh, you know, being able to still coach. And, you know, the new coach here at Florida Gulf Coast, I had never met, mm-hmm. Pat Chambers, who had coached at Penn State. And uh, watching his practices the last two weeks, I've been here, I guess, three weeks. First week, they didn't let us watch practice because of uh, the uh, storm. Mm-hmm. But the last two weeks, I've been able to watch practice what a great job he does and what great things you know i still write things down every day at practice mm-hmm. when i go watch florida golf coast yeah and joe, joe dooley was the coach here at florida golf coast came from kansas where he'd been assistant for the national champion and he asked me he says what are you taking notes for <laughs> you're 70 years old why are you taking notes i said well coach i may want to coach again he says coach you're crazy. He <laughs> says, hang my whistle up. He said, I'll never be in another coaching practice. I'll be on the beach, Florida, uh, south, uh, south, I'm sorry, San Diego, watching the ships go in and out. Yeah. And I'm thinking, every guy likes what he likes. I like what I do. Absolutely. And I love to coach, and I'm going to take a swim as soon as you get off the phone, and then I'm going to go uh, – uh, my next favorite thing, go to Moe's Southwest Grill. And then my wife has got plans. We're going to see Julie Roberts and George Clooney in a movie tonight, which yeah. we haven't done for months. So yeah. I'm trying to keep everybody happy. There you go, keeping everybody happy. So that was the question I was going to ask you. If I come to town down there in Florida, I love to eat. That That's one of my vices in life. I like to work out. I like to run and, and stay active and do different things like that and try to keep my body in good shape. But I, I almost go to the other end of the spectrum because I love to eat. I was going to ask you, where's the good place to eat down there? And you said Moe's Southwest Grill. Now, that, that is my go-to place. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife, well, you know, I get the children's menu, so you know I I am saving my money for retirement. So <laughs> I get I get a quesadilla, uh-huh. a chip, and a drink, and uh, 
said me, me and my wife may split it because it's even a child's menu is funny for two people. But oh, yeah. uh, obviously that's not a great place to go for fine dining, yeah. but it's really good for, good for fast food. There you go. Uh, unfortunately, I live in a country club and we have great, great cooks here. But my go-to down here is probably you got it in Indiana, Texas Roadhouse. There and, you go. Uh, favorite. Yeah, my and Rib better tell you that if you're in Florida, go to Rib City. Oh, Rib City. Uh, Rib City. Yeah. No, my my son loves Texas Roadhouse. My my youngest. So, um, yeah, they're free. Only five, oh, less than that, three miles from our house. So, if we don't eat at the club, we go to Texas Roadhouse or. Yeah. Oh, so that's our two go-tos. There you go, Coach. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure. Um, we, we really appreciate you taking time out to to talk with us and share this with us. The kids are going to edit this, and uh, we're, we're going to have it out, and I know uh, we're going to get a lot of really good feedback from the coaches that listen to the podcast. So, Coach, best of luck to you, best of luck to the Indians this year, and, and thanks for all that you have done and continue to do for Indiana High School basketball. It's been my pleasure and a big part of my life, and something i've been blessed with um please text me the uh uh link and uh so i know maybe one fan will listen to it my <laughs> daughters and uh so if you do that i'm sure they'll listen to the podcast all right coach hey you stay blessed and uh and good luck to you this year good luck to you guys i'll be, uh, I'll be watching i uh how close are you this is, you may not want to use this as a podcast oh no we can how, edit all this stuff out how close are you to where Aaron Hall is coaching. Um, very close. We actually play them in December. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, he he's, was, he's back coaching again, so. He was my assistant at mm-hmm. Lewis Cat. Yep. And just greatest guy. I mean, uh, I've had great assistants, but no nicer person than Aaron Hall. No, so, uh, he's, he's a great guy. I work with him a little bit uh, uh, through some stuff for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's very big and involved in that over in Knox County, so. Yeah, we play he, them. Uh, play them in December. They're in our conference. He uh, he drove all the way up to our coaches' clinic this year. So, awesome! Uh, so happy to see him there, and uh, he's special. So, hey, thank you so much. I'll be watching for the Bar Reed course. And what is it, North Knox? Is he that? Yep, North Knox. Okay. All thank right, coach. You. I'll be talking to him. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Chugging it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812 204 3808 or visit bsnsports.com.